South Carolina Real Podcast. Jeff Johnson here, Lisa Murphy over there, and and a, a Zoom audience of literally almost a dozen uh, with Woo. us right now. We are talking nature play today. Um, anybody want to? Anybody have an idea where to start? I got some thoughts, but anybody want to jump in before we uh, hear me blather on? Please remember that. Um... It's not a visual platform. <laughs> okay, so when it comes to nature play, my first thought is that, um, okay, it's like play outside, but it's it's a lot more than that because, um, and, and jump on me if I'm wrong here, but our human brains turned into human brains outside. We're pretty much wired uh, brain-wise the same way we were 10,000 years ago. And all of that development took place while we were we were pretty much out hunting and gathering. And- uh, Barefoot, how, yeah. barefoot and in motion, I always like to add. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so we're kind of wired for outside and it's it's only in a, the, the, the very recent, um, you know, time-wise scope of human history that we've become inside animals we're uh we've 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 all become house cats when we uh when we used to be uh something much different and we're living in a world where where children aren't spending a lot of time outside period and even less time in anything that would be considered non-urban nature in a lot of cases that's kind of a kind of a sad thing you know schools just started here recently um as we're recording this and you know, my summer, I, I try to be outside a lot, was was very few kids out and about in the world. And it's it's kind of sad and disheartening. And um, I don't know, maybe that's a place to jump off. Where where do we want to go? Somebody talk to me. Well, I, I'm going to jump in with the verbiage aspect of it because I've paid attention to this for a while. The, the How our culture will often interchange nature play or nature school or forest school or natural kindergarten or outdoor schools and how we, we use it potentially to kind of mean the same thing without necessarily realizing that we might be language that we kind of hijacked potentially from another system or another area or another culture, um, which depending on, on which maybe culture and by culture, I mean country, whether you've read the Scandinavian schools or the Norway schools or the Canadian schools, you know, or the UK schools. Um, I, I think we, we've, at least in the States, we, we take all of the stuff that we love and we try and put it into place without necessarily realizing that there is some theoretical depth to the notion of it. Um, so, yeah, I agree that we definitely need more children to be or need our children to be spending more time outside. And I think that we're quick to label it like a, a forest school or a nature school when when really it just might mean that we're embracing as a program the idea that children need more time outside. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean. Part of it is, I mean, you can you can do a lot of the inside stuff, um, I mean, outside, but there's so much more that outside offers. Um, just the idea of the way the way sound moves and you interact with sound uh, when you're when you're outside is different. Just the the feeling of space. A, a, a large room inside is nothing compared to the vastness of, of outside. And so, so scale is so much different. And there are, there are so many moving pieces 
um, it, potential moving pieces and 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 things to interact with outside that the uh, the opportunity of things to to touch and feel and smell and trip over um, and engage with uh, is is vastly uh, not only bigger but more varied in an outside environment and and like I said a little bit ago our brains are kind of kind of wired for that and I think to that then depending, I think, on the extent of what we're calling the outdoors. Like if your school or your program or your family childcare home like goes into a forest or a, uh, an un, uh, unbuilt up, what's the word I'm looking for? What's an unbuilt up area? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's open. You have a, a lot more opportunity there for natural stuff than we don't need to be bringing things out, you know? So I, I think it really depends on what kind of outdoor environment the individual program might actually just have access to as to whether or not you actually have to add to it or not. Any, any, anybody got something to say? Cause we'll just do this. So we, we want you to Somebody, jump in. Somebody's got to jump in and talk. <laughs> um, I, I had a thought. Great. Um, for me, like I, 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 and I, even when I talk to people about like, yeah, they, they need to be outside more. I think, I'm seeing this kind of thing where people go, oh, absolutely. But they're taking them outside to do more adult led things. Like they're not giving them the opportunity to just be outside and experience outside. It's almost become like another center or, Mm -hmm. oh, no, 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 we're not doing that today. We're doing this or, oh, they get lots of outside time. We played soccer for an hour. You know, it's not. So I feel like it's a movement that I do like try to push forward, but I do see people kind of like, only kind of understanding and then not getting the full benefit. And my fear is that people are going to say, well, we were outside and we, I had them doing this, this, and this, but they're still wild when I come back in. Or or there was no forging of any kind of emotional connection with, with nature, Um, which, which I know at, at its core is like the spirit behind a lot of what we would maybe call the original forest schools was to forge that emotional connection, which and, if you're I mean, just I mean, outside on a tarmac, right? And you've, you've, you know, done a puzzle at a table, but you're outside, like, is that really the spirit? And, I, and I've always said, and even in my last book, I said, there's kind of, there's a continuum, you know, and, and you can, I think, embrace the mindset of a forest school philosophy or orientation without necessarily having access to a forest, but realizing, I think, mm, and, and, and forgive me for kind of hijacking here right, right away, but to me, I think if we're not careful, it turns into another Reggio thing or another Montessori thing is we're like, okay, well, we, we, we went to a workshop and they showed us some really awesome pictures. So now I want to go and like put fairy things out in the yard and now, but, but you kind of miss, you missed it. And I'm not saying that that's not a, 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 an effective baby step or a launch into that, but I, I, I believe Lisa Murphy believes very strongly that that at, at some point you need to take the time to actually do a little bit of a deeper dive of what, what is the theory where this actually came from without just attaching yourself to the superficial, cute, pretty trappings of it. 
Yeah. And, and let's, I mean, let's be honest, just walking out of the building with the children is a step in the right direction, even if 100%. they're doing teacher led stuff, because I mean, vitamin D, I mean, that's, that's, it's a good, it's a good start, but I was, uh, I was uh, reading a bit of uh, what's the book. Um, no such thing as bad weather today. And, uh, and then there, she talks about, about research they did on kids outside engaged in self-led play compared to kids outside engaged in, in, uh, sports like team sports, soccer, uh, um, whatever other, whatever other sports. I'm not a, I'm not a sports ball guy, uh, soccer, soccer. that kind of stuff. (laughs) Um, and they, they actually, they, 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 uh, they tracked them with pedometers and they found that kids are getting a lot more exercise. There's a lot more movement going on when the kids are quote unquote, just playing than then when they're involved in these organized activities, because of course you're, you're, you're watching from the sidelines half the time. Um, you're, if you're, if you're team teams up to bat in the, uh, in the bat based games, you're, you're, you're mostly standing around. If you're out in the outfield and one of those bat based games, you're standing around. Uh, if you're playing soccer and the balls on the other side of the field, you're standing around. I, uh, I biked by, uh, uh, soccer practices a number of times this summer. And, and a lot of it was kids just standing around while other kids are running drills. And so, um, there's a, there's a lot more movement going on when we, when we have that, have that freedom that, that play allows. And so I'll, I think a lot of times parents will get locked into, well, they were outside, they went to soccer practice and they've got a game next Saturday. So that's two hours outside today. And, um, one thing that, um, I was, I saw in no such thing as bad weather is she was talking about in, I don't know if it was Norway or Denmark, but their, their goal was an hour and a half outside every day during the winter. And during good weather, it was five or six hours and so we we're really falling short compared to that in in a lot of places. I mean, way way short. And I don't know. What and I is think it. what would help what would help with that is being clearer in our programs as to what our goal is. What why are we now attaching ourselves with this phrase nature school forest school? And I'm not dissing it. So for you know for the listeners who don't know me. Um, or any of the participants here, even tonight at the live Zoom that don't know me, I, I'm not, I don't take any issue with it. What I want to make sure that everybody in our profession is able to do is to be very clear in being able to articulate what they mean by the language that they use. So, you know, does the word school even have to be added to it? You know, could we be a childcare program that has a very strong emphasis on the outdoors that's clearly articulated in our mission goals and value statement? And by then looking at our practice, you see that we believe in that? Um, Does the word school somehow attach more credibility to the program? You know, I think there's, and and if you know me, you know, I'm such a verbiage nut. You know, what, what, what do we mean by that? And so this is something that uh, that Bar and Grill co-host Sam has been working on is is templates for playful policies because I think where where a lot of programs struggle is um, they have a hard time getting parents on board for one because oh they got to dress them right for the weather and for the conditions and and oh they're going to get messy and if you don't have 
the fact that, hey, we go outside and we get messy and kids need to have the proper gear um, built into your your policies and, and handbook that parents are aware of from the very beginning, then it makes it really hard to to embrace in those kind of things. And the same goes for staff. If, if you haven't articulated when you hire somebody that we the expectation is we are outside for big blocks of time every day. Then, then it's just not going to happen. And so there's a lot of a lot of stuff we can do structurally in the systems that we set up for our programs that make outside a little bit more more likely to, to happen. Heather, you're sitting there looking uh, thoughtful. You got anything to add? No? Heather, you almost always have something to add. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm just... I'm just feeling down about my, my program and I'm just, I'm just excited to be here and have a little like, um, you know, refurb or I don't know, like time with people of like mind because it's feeling really frustrating at this point. Well, that sounds like the next episode right there. It does. Everybody (laughs) right now list the top three reasons you're frustrated in your current situation. And that'll be part two. Anybody else have something they want to throw in? I also think that if we're going to claim a strong alignment with nature school, forest school, uh, even just we go outside a lot, you know, without having to call it something or to name it, I, I think it's important if you're the director, the owner, family child care provider, then to provide the extra clothes, like to circle back to what Jeff was saying too. Like that was always a big deal for me. The, the reality is, is that not everybody can afford some of that stuff. So if I'm claiming that this is a value of mine, then my practice is going to reflect that, right? So I'm going to have those boxes of extra clothes and umbrellas and boots and depending on where I am geographically located. And actually, Jeff, while you were talking, I had a, a memory of something that I had forgotten. Um, there was a school I worked at out in Arizona where they had a pool. They had a pool on the yard in the childcare center. And they expected all of the teachers to take the kids swimming. And part of her interview was that you had to bring a bathing suit to your interview and you had to jump in the pool. And how many people were like, oh, hell no. I get in a pool at a job interview. And that's kind of was her line in the sand. Like if you weren't willing to do that because she was expecting you to then facilitate that experience with the children so you needed to surround yourself with people that who were willing to embrace that piece of the program. I don't know if I would be comfortable with that either. I mean, me showing up in my Speedo, that wouldn't be anything. No, no, you, you had to go change into it. Yeah, that, I mean, no, no, I just like walk in the door. Me and my, uh, my Hello, I'm here for speedo. my interview. <laughs> I'm here for my interview. <laughs> That would be, that would be my, 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 my phone and and the waistband. That would be, that would be horrible and, and not likely to get me a job either. That would be, that would be a big mess. So um, I can, I can get that people might be apprehensive of that, but I, I totally get her position too. However, right. This is, this is what we do here. But if this is something you're going to be expected to do here, then, you know, you either need to be willing to warm up to it. Or we need to realize that there's not going to be a good fit here because I'm not going to keep banging my head against it if this outdoor play of swimming is an expectation here at this at this particular program. Yeah, I think another thing that gets in the way of programs being outside and in nature more with kids is the state regulations uh, for a lot of people, because 
Look, those things are written with a lot of vagaries often and just things like water play and how you can engage with if you go to a, a nearby park and there's a water feature, a pond or something, and how you can engage with that with, without not. Uh, violating uh, uh, the, the, the regulations. I mean, Lisa, you got your story about the, uh, the bird bath and the, uh, the need for a lifeguard and those kind of things. And so that stuff, that stuff is out there. And, and also, um, there are plenty of programs that probably use that as an excuse. Sure. I can't, I can't do more outside stuff because they won't let me. And so, right. Um, and some of that is uh, hiding behind, as we've talked about a lot. Some of it is that your licensor, perhaps not always, but sometimes is interpreting the regs, not actually um, enforcing the regs because that you know that's my other story about how you know at one side of their mouth that they're wanting you to be aligned with Eckers, which means you have to have all these different forms of sensory play, including water play. But then you put a water table tub out on the table, and she hits you and docks you and writes you up because you have a pool on the yard, and you're like, come on, man, like make up your mind. You know, do you you either want us to have this experience or you don't want us to have this experience? So like, pick a side of the fence and be consistent for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, another another roadblock, I guess, is that um, a lot of times the caregiver themselves just don't feel comfortable doing outside stuff. They they're not comfortable with the the dirt and the sticks and the bugs and the, heat the, and the, the process of, of being outside. Um, an episode I recorded earlier this week uh, with uh, Nicole from uh, from Inspired EC in Australia, and we were kind of we, we kind of touched on on uh, she had a book about uh, uh, survival skills for for kids. And so there was stuff about uh, about uh, working with fire and and kids and knives and this kind of stuff. And we're talking about this. And uh, one thing we're we're coordinating on is in 2022, we're we're working to put together a session with outside skills for caregivers. So things like uh, setting up a fire pit with kids and how to how do you work with fire with kids and and things like simple knot tying because kids go outside and they want to they want to build build uh, cubbies and forts with uh, sticks and ropes. And so it's a good idea if the adults know how to tie some basic knots that are going to make that uh, a little bit easier. And so we're going to try to put together, we not try, we're going to put together a session that, that, uh, that uh, allows the caregivers to get comfortable with some of those skills so that they can be more competent outside and then pass them along to the kids. Uh, it's it's really hard to go out in the nature and and hand knives to a bunch of four year olds when you're terrified of of whittling on a piece of a piece yeah. of stick on on your own. And so it, it's it's simple things like uh, my my preference is you know uh, pocket knives are easy, but with with kids the the danger point of a of a pocket knife is the opening and closing of the pocket knife. And so so uh, straight straight knives just regular um, knives are are safer for for the little ones nicole shared that uh, when they're doing this in their their timber next program they'll they'll let kids use potato peelers on sticks before they introduce them to the the sharper and uh, a little bit uh, more more 
potentially dangerous knives because that's just kind of a an intermediate step there. And so steps like those can be can be really beneficial to the the caregivers who are uncomfortable because if they can they can do away with a little bit of that fear of their on, on their own, then they're going to be more likely to embrace the the nature play. Some of the articles that I read getting ready for tonight talked a lot about uh, practitioners that had been very involved in scouts and in camps, summer camps, day camps, and, and how the skill set isn't necessarily, you know, 75 hours of forest school academic training, but are you able to, you know, could you teach a kid how to tread the water? Could what? you teach a kid how to tie? You know, could you could you teach them how to put out a fire? Like, yes, yeah, starting one is great and, and learning how to appreciate, but do you know how to pull one out? Um, and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and I found myself really thinking about the, the skill set that might be overlooked in potential practitioners of people who might have been initially drawn more to the camp lane, so to speak, under the auspices of working with children who very, very much could be an asset to more traditional early childhood pre-KK programming, you know, yes. an, an outlet, yeah. you know? Yeah, and I, um, oh, there's something that just fell out of my head. Um, I hate it when that um, happens. Yeah, uh, and it happens so frequently. Um, a, another bit of this is, is some programs are just nature- needy um they're they're in more urban areas and so they don't uh -huh. have they 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 have limited access and so the uh the the uh no such thing as bad weather book that i was looking at today they talk about you know there are programs like that in the in the scandinavian countries that are that are much more outsideish in the early years than than we are in the in the states and uh, their thing is to use public spaces and, and and granted that it might not be possible for up to walk from your urban childcare program to a nearby park, um, and that park might not be safe. But there are there are opportunities if if we we look for them in in most situations, uh, if we if we make that effort and the little bit out outside space that we have, we can we can invite more nature into that. I know I know. Right way too many programs where a teacher polices the playground every every morning and make sure all the sticks are picked up that dropped on the on the playground from the tree that's on the other side of the fence the night before because my gosh we can't have those kids coming in contact with that wild stick um and those kind of things but in, instead of that we can change our perspective and do things like look for opportunities to invite birds and bugs and and insects uh, i guess birds and bu insects and bugs are kind of the same thing aren't they but invite that nature into the playground um just just with the plantings that we have making sure that there are rocks and hunks of wood to to, to sit there so that we can turn them over so the bugs can live under them those kind of things just those simple things and um, all of that and all of that jeff requires everybody on board to be okay with spending the time to do that you know, the minute, the minute anybody gets that one thought in their head, even if it's just a fleeting, like, do, 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 like we should be doing something else that it, it starts to taint what is, what is happening, right? It, it influences all of that being that was happening, all of that organic, spontaneous learning that was happening, the play that was happening. The minute we act, we poison the well. And, and we, I think we have to really, really be mindful of of okay, I had that thought, but I'm not gonna 
I'm going to make sure that I don't poison the well with it. I'm not going to start getting agitated or asking questions I know the answer to or asking how many legs does it have? You know, like maybe I can sit there and be in that moment with the children without thinking that I need to fold or spindle or mutilate it into some kind of a teachable moment that serves no other purpose other than me now, you know, like patting myself on the back thinking that I did something here. Yeah, yeah, because one of the the big benefits of being outside for most of us humans is it also serves as an opportunity to reset. Uh, if if we're we're emotionally askew, it's a it's a good way to reset. I'm sitting here in the studio and the the patio door is open and there is a couple blue jays hanging out at the suet feeder and the cottonwood tree is I, I can hear the wind blowing as we as we sit here and so all of my inside time I've got that naturey stuff coming in and and look I'm out in it as much as I can be but but even inviting it in just through the the open door is is calming and soothing and helps keep me focused and and on task a lot more and I think that's one thing we find about kids outside um in, in all my forest school visits is is behavior problems disappear oh, wow. in, for for a lot of kids when they're spending more time outside because 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 they're outside because they're they're having the opportunities for for that bigger spaces and more movement and they're not being being Louder. scolded to use their inside voice all the time and there's there's so much there's so much benefit for that because because our brains are our brains are wired for that like i said at the at the very beginning and and my my thought when you were talking about that jeff is as as i've got the thunder and the lightning right i have the complete opposite weather right now and if i open the door i get lizards and iguanas and and a sandhill crane coming in and so we 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 don't want that but i very much appreciate that the 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 calmness the the storm sounds the natural sounds that can be invited in and what i was going to say was how much more meaningful that is. We don't need to make an announcement about it. We just, we just do it. We don't, you know, you can hang all the posters up on the wall that you want, but if the practice isn't aligned with what we're saying that we value, it, it does it, it does it really matter? You know, I, and I, I think about that quite a bit yeah. these days. Yeah. And, and another thing that, uh, that Angela Hanscom has brought up that, that I think kind of fits in here is the, the scope of activities is much different outside playing with sand in, in a, a sensory bin or water in the water table inside the program is, is a lot different than, than digging in the sand on the beach or, or playing in the water along the shore of a lake. And, exactly. and so there, there's a lot more opportunity for, for the big body stuff that we know children are, are actually lacking in our, in our modern world uh, when, we, when we get them into, into those outside spaces. Um, and, and, it is, and it's hard to replicate that inside. It's hard to, uh, to bring a, a couple, four or five tons of sand into your, your play space inside and, and allow them to dig. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not if you spend your money where you think you should be spending your money and not where you spend the money that somebody's telling you that you should be spending your money. Yeah. So I, I'll, I'll yeah. push back a, a smidge, a smidge there. We have the time, effort, energy, and money for the stuff that we really truly value. Yeah. Yeah. And the four or five tons of sand is still a lot easier to manage if it's outside. Of course it is. And you could put a big pile of it in the middle of the of the room and see what happened. Sure you could. 
Sure. You I, I have something I want to add to this because I know I'm looking at the time, but I want to toss this in because I don't think it's its own episode, but maybe it is. And you can you can all redirect me. I want to talk about um, all of our conversation has been, I'm guessing, two years old and up. I want to talk a little bit about bringing the babies outside. OK. And the babies aren't exempt from the need to be outside. And I think the parental concern, not even parental uh I think other adult concerns is what potentially influences our decisions as to whether or not we bring the youngers out. I think the conversation of being outside more often is easier to process if we're thinking our brain 18 months and up. But what about the what about the little ones? I mean, Jeff, I'm, I'm thinking of your book, Babies in the Rain. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, it's vital. And again, those Nordic countries, there's, I mean, the little ones are in their, in their prams sleeping outside. And uh, that's a big thing. And this is actually something else that the, the inspired EC team is, is working on with me for, for trainings next year is, um, is infant toddler outside, outside play is another topic that we've discussed because it's just not going, going on enough because, you know, look, it's, it's, it's a lot of work to bring the little ones outside. Uh, they, uh, I mean, it, it just is. Not if you don't go in. But I mean, I mean, if you're, if it's not, if it's not your standard operating procedure, it just seems like a weighty effort to do it. When you, when you build the systems to make it easier for you, I mean, I mean, it happens. I know plenty of family childcare programs that are, are outside um, 90% of the day and the little ones are, are out there with the, uh, with the big ones. And so it's, it's totally doable. And, and that the, the benefits are, are the same for, for those little ones. It's the, the different textures, the different smells, the different, the different concepts of space, all of that is, is vital and important. And I had a thought, Jeff, while you were just saying that specifically to family childcare, I think the, the other variable there that comes into play that makes bringing the babies and the littler ones outside is the mixed age grouping thing there that you have some fours or some fives or maybe even some tens, 11s and 12s who are able to be there with those babies to point out to the three-year-old to watch out for the baby that's crawling around, you know, um, yeah. to even potentially be a facilitator for kind of a more baby specific kind of area. Um, but yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Anybody and also, some- also, I'll be the PSA for tonight, and I didn't do this on purpose, but um, um, wear sunscreen, guys. I, I came home with uh, five new biopsies today from the 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 skin. So, uh, yeah, don't. It's okay. It it happens like three times a year, but um, it, it is a reminder to to use the sunscreen when you're outside. Twenty four. Keep it safe out there, people. Anybody else have any thoughts or or comments before we wrap this episode up? I'll say thanks for joining us um, to our visually uh, participatory uh, participatory participants this evening. And uh, for those of you who are, are listening only, uh, we did have a handful of people who joined us here tonight. So even though they, they didn't necessarily say much, it was nice to see their faces. And I appreciate that. And speaking of speaking of visuals, I would like to uh, uh, apologize for the the me and a speedo image that I might have put in some people's head. Um, I, I I apologize for that. Um, it, I had I already mean, forgotten it, about it. it. You brought it, it up. It makes again. my it makes my eyeballs burn because I I I know exactly what it would look like. So um, I I really apologize. Um, Heather, do you have something you want to throw in before we wrap it up? Well, Jeff, you does. You're just lucky Miss Debbie isn't here because she'd be all over 
you in a speedo. So you're just uh, lucky that yeah, Lisa Murphy. Here. We had Miss, you know, Miss Debbie. You've seen Miss Debbie on the internet. I have. Yeah, Miss Debbie. We had her on for a couple episodes uh, a while back, and uh, she was getting a little bit flirty with me. It made me feel really uncomfortable. Um, oh, I would have so loved to have seen that. I, I hope. I hope Debbie isn't listening to this uh, with her nine cats picturing me in a speedo. That would be. That would be very uncomfortable. Now for she's me. playing dress up with one of the cats. She's putting one of the cats in a speedo oh, yeah. and having some little. You've got. It's got a Jeff mask on. Yeah, she named it out. She named one of the cats after me, Lisa. It's, right. it's very yeah. frightening. I this has it. been the Child Care Bar and Grill podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.